Hey, we're in a series called Soul Care, and the idea is, I don't know about you guys, but man, this time of year is kind of nuts where you're jumping in and out of different events and different things, and it just seems like a, a rat race or kind of chaotic sometimes, and I think it's important for us to kind of slow down and um, do some soul care, right? Because we can kind of lose it pretty quick, and next thing you know, you're like screaming at the person at Starbucks, and you're like, why did I just do that? And you realize it's just because you're like, you're at, you know, you're, you're kind of, uh, your soul needs a little care. Okay. So that's why we're jumping into this. And plus like, how awesome is it that we can kind of go into the new year, right? Thinking about that already. Um, not trying to play catch up, like man, recovering from the holiday season, but in fact, going into the new year saying, Hey, I have a lot of new tool tools in my tool belt to take care of my soul and to, um, allow my soul to be filled with the Holy spirit and, and, uh, be ministered to and, uh, by Christ and, um, and have those things throughout the year. So um, thought it would be really, really good. Last week we talked about take ownership. You know, the problem with a lot of us is we, we depend or we relegate our spiritual health completely to the church and it was never meant to be that way. And so we talked about taking ownership of our soul care, right? Spending time with Abba, chasing after him, allowing him to enrich our soul and heal our souls and and all of that, and that, that church is a huge part of that, but it's not all of it, right? Church is super important, but it's not the end all and the be all for your spiritual health. We also talked about take inventory um, and how important it is for us to engage with each other and ask the question, hey, how is it with your soul today? You know, this was like a big thing um, for this theologian named John Wesley, and he would go around, he would say, how is it with your soul? And uh, talked about how like, Worked at this um, other church for a really long time, and the whole time I was at that church, nobody ever bothered to even ask, like, how is my soul? You know, how's my heart? Did I even believe in Jesus? You know, I mean, <laughs> and I think that these, we get away too often with just platitudes, and yet we want and we desire and we thirst for real relationship. And I think if that's what we want, Let's go there. Let's um, take inventory. So I have a question. Are you a good person? Are you a good person? So I want to go back and just kind of give you some broad strokes of what we see happening in scripture, okay? Um, before the creation of the earth and humankind, there was an angel that pridefully sought to be as God is. He was cast from heaven with um, other fallen angels. And the meta narrative that we see throughout scripture is that humankind was created in the image of God. We are the creation of the divine. Above all other creation on this earth, we have consciousness. We are different. We're just different. Regardless of your position on the literary criticism of Genesis, uh, my opinion is that Genesis wanted to speak one message loud and clear, and that is that humankind is the apex, the precipice of creation, of God's work. And God wants us to know that. He wants us to know that that's who we are. Now, this fallen angel, right? Wanting nothing more than to be God, saw God's masterpiece humankind. 
And he infected and influenced and spread something called sin. When this happened, something changed, something big. This sin infected and permeated everyone, everything. Effectively, the beautiful image of God's creation was now cracked and broken and marred. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the human heart is desperately wicked. Are you a good person? Psalm 51.5, I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Paul talks over and over and over in Romans 7 about how he knows what the right thing is to do, but he can't bring himself to do that which he knows he should do, right? He talks about that. So this is where we're at today. And there's lots of evidence around us, right? People steal, so we have locks and we have passwords. People lie, so we have courts and we have judges. People kill, so we have military and we have police. We live in a broken world infected and permeated by sin. We are broken people. Also affected by sin. We are not just affected by sin, but it has become a part of us. You and me, your friends, your family, your loved ones, everyone you've ever respected or cared for have all been marred and broken by this thing called sin. People ask, is humanity an intrinsically good, is humanity, wow, I can't talk tonight. Is humanity intrinsically good or evil? And I believe that we are intrinsically good, yet we are depraved by sin. And I think it's totally fine to say, I want to be a good person, or I want to strive to do good things, or I, I have a generous and compassionate heart. Those are all awesome things. Are you a good person? You see, I think we need a healthy awareness of the reality and the influence of sin in our lives. This is the thing that churches, we kind of don't talk about it that much because it is that thing that makes us feel uncomfortable inside, right? We want to feel comfortable. We want to feel um, edified, encouraged, and unfortunately, sin makes us feel discouraged. Sin makes us feel uncomfortable. And so when we talk about it, it's like, I don't know, like squirming in my seat as I was kind of putting some of these notes down. Like this is, this is uncomfortable. We need a healthy awareness of the reality that we can do no good thing apart from the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit strengthening us to live beyond our sin nature. What we do not need, what we do not need is the rampant presence of shame in our lives. Shame was what the first humans felt when they were first affected by sin. They hid themselves. They, they looked away. So what's the difference between conviction and shame? What's the difference between conviction and shame? Conviction is when we know that we've done something wrong and we feel convicted for it. It, it feels uncomfortable or we're acknowledging like this is a departure from the way that things ought to be. Shame is when we take that conviction, that guilt, 
and we apply it to the person that we are. So conviction would say, I did X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Shame would say, I'm the kind of person that would do X, Y, Z. You see the difference there? One is a focus on the, on the behavior, right? That's okay. We can do that. We can have conviction about our behavior, the things that we know that um, are a departure from what God had planned, his purposes for our lives, that's great. But when we say and we extrapolate that out and, and apply it to who we are, our identity, that's when it turns into shame. And conviction is heavy, don't get me wrong, and rightfully so, because it's producing righteousness in our lives. Righteousness is the way that God is slowly drawing us closer to him and, and creating us to be a better image bearer from when we were marred. Restoring his image in us every single day. But shame, the weight of shame is far beyond what any human can carry. In fact, shame cripples you. Shame cripples you. And, and the, vi the, um, the visual that I want you to just close your eyes and see is just a person that is carrying such a weight on their back that it's bigger than even they are physically and they're just limping around. The shame is literally paralyzing and crippling them and you and me. So how do we deal with it? There are a few ways that we can respond to this shame. We can repress it. There are a lot of um, scientific um, articles that talk about how shame that's buried and repressed manifests still in our bodies physically by headaches, high blood pressure, all kinds of things. We can repress it, but it's not gone. It's not dealt with. It's still there. We can express it. Now, this isn't the healthy kind of expression that I'm thinking of here. I'm thinking about expressing it shamefully or, or you know, a self-loathing. I'm a terrible person. I've, you know, all these things. Or we can confess our shame. You see, it took me years and years and years to break free from the chains of the weight of the shame in my own life or my own past, right? A lot of you guys know my past. Um, there's a lot of stuff there that God delivered me out of and I'm excited that he delivered me out of it. But for a long time, a long time, I was buried in shame. I didn't know the difference between shame and conviction. And, and um, I said, well, I'm the kind of person that did these things. I'm the kind of person that ended up in this place. I'm the kind of person who's labeled this way, right? I was, I was taking all these things that happened and I was attaching them to my identity and it manifests in shame. And it took me years to figure out that that is not what God intended when he um, convicts us of things in our lives, of sin in our lives. That's not what he wants. And it took a commitment to this process. And it is a process, a lifestyle of confession and repentance, confession and repentance, confession and repentance to break the chains of that shame, to bring light into the darkness of the deepest depression over the things that I had been through, the things that I had done and, and the depression over what I felt 
the kind of person that I was because I had done these things. And then finally, after a, a, a commitment to that in years and years of confession and repentance, finally it started to break open. And there was this freedom where finally I could face my sin. Because before that, it was just all burying it in this self-loathing and, and not really, really, really dealing with it. When it comes to 20, uh, 2022 or maybe other things in your past, would you say that you feel shame or conviction, right? Maybe you're here tonight and you're like, man, I, I, don't, I don't have any shame at all over anything that I've gone through. I am thoroughly in a place where... <clears throat> yes, sometimes I feel conviction and I confess and I, I, I repent and, and I'm in a good place. And that's awesome. That's amazing. That's uh, what I believe is, is God's plan for how we engage with him and with these things that we do in this life, right? I believe that's, that's a huge part of it. But understand there are people in your life. There are people in your life and you may run into them and you might hear them say it, make a comment and you're like, man, that sounds a lot like shame. So this is important, whether you're uh, a person where if you think back on some of the things that have happened, where maybe if you're really, really, really honest with yourself, you think, okay, I kind of am experiencing shame with this particular thing, or maybe it's a bunch of stuff. But if you're here and you're like, I don't really feel like I'm there, please still pay attention because you need to know this to be able to love on everybody else in your life. Okay, so where are we at so far with this whole soul care thing? We talked about take ownership. We talked about take inventory. Tonight, we're gonna say, take a load off. Take a load off. Confession and repentance. You see, one of the absolute best ways that you can care for your soul is getting out from under the unbearable weight of shame and guilt, bringing light into the darkness of that area of our lives. Um, just for giggles, I went in and looked up the word confess in the New Testament and it occurs 26 times. <clears throat> Mostly spoken of by Jesus and Paul. Of course, you know, they comprise most of the New Testament anyway, so it's not a huge surprise. But there is a huge importance to this idea of confession. And, um, you know, for better or for worse, I believe we have a lot that we can learn from different faith traditions, okay? And I think this is one where evangelicalism fails flat out is we don't encourage confession. We don't encourage confessing either one to another or before the Father in heaven and making that a regular part of our lives. Are you a good person? You see, when I think to answer that question, I think, yes, I'm made in the image of God. Yes, I'm made in the image of God. Yes, sin, my sin nature is there. And because of that, I have a tendency or a nature to rebel from the Father. It's how we have been infected and affected by this thing called sin. And because of that, because of that, I can do no good thing without Christ. 
can do no good thing without Christ. So when I do a good thing, man, uh, it's like celebration time because it's, it's kind of, kind of cool. But that means also that a lot of times I, I do, I, I mess up. I mess up. I was talking with someone earlier before tonight and I was talking about how like, man, can you imagine if as a church, as a church, we can really allow for the fact that we are human beings so many times I've seen where we, we are in relationship with each other in the church and we hold the other person to some crazy, obnoxious, high standard. Like they are superhuman, superhuman. And the moment that they sin against us, that is unforgivable and we can't talk about it. And I was telling this person, man, can you imagine if we can actually do life and do church and do our faith like we are actual human beings? If, if we took that into consideration and we allowed for the reality that we are human beings and we have a sin nature, then it's okay for me to think that, you know, Cam might offend me someday, right? I mean, right? That's kind of an offensive look. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right? And if we allow for that, then it's not a big deal if I go to my neighbor over here and say, man, I need to confess, like Cam gave me this really nasty look and I just, I thought I wanted to walk over there and punch him in the face. And I'm telling my buddy Noah, can you pray for me? Because I'm kind of mad about it. Right? It wouldn't be that big of a deal. But right now, or a lot of times, we have a run-in and it's like, oh, no, you didn't. Did you really do that? You can't offend me that way. We're not going to talk anymore. And you just give up on the relationship. Like they have to be superhuman. That's not how this is. We are broken. We are marred. We are going to make mistakes. And there is so much healing. And there is so much, man, just freedom in confession. And that's what tonight is all about. Take a load off. Maybe as I'm talking about this, maybe things are coming up that you're like, man, whoo. I could not tell anybody that ever, okay? Now, I'm not necessarily advocating that you have to go tell another person, okay? I'm talking about a heart posture of honesty and transparency before God because he sees that. He sees that. I'm not talking about some formula. Hey, if you do X, Y, Z, then that's your confession and, and it just becomes rote, repetition, motions, all that stuff, right? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a real heart of contrition, of, of authenticity, of humility, of repentance and saying, I am acknowledging and I am aware of the sin in my life. That's hard. That's really, really hard. To even go before the Father on our knees and to confess those things. Imagine, 
Imagine if we were so mature in our faith that we could go to a brother or sister and, and confess. That we could say, hey, I need your prayer right now because <laughs> I am caught up in some stuff at work and it's ugly and I just need you to walk with me through this in prayer. Imagine if we could be there. I feel like we would, you know, um, man, I heard it this week. Like we, <laughs> the, the, the image issue isn't with Jesus. The image issue is with the church, right? I feel like um, we, we are always trying to do PR, right, for ourselves as Christians because we don't have a very good reputation. But maybe if we did this, and we really held ourselves accountable. Imagine. James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another. 1 John 1.6-9 says, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Like I said, I don't, I don't necessarily believe that you have to confess to another person, right? Um, and, and in fact, you don't have to confess at all. Let me just say that. You don't have to confess at all. In fact, um, if you're here tonight and you are like, man, I authentically believe in, in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, you're, man, you're saved. You don't have to confess. But you should. You should. To do some real soul care to draw yourself into a place of humility, to, to feel the intimacy um, with God and his presence in your life. Man, there's, there's few things that will draw you in to the, the, the presence of the Father than confessing real struggle, real hurt, real pain. Man, and to just get free from that to get out from under the weight of all of that. I love, I love the discussion here in first John of the light and the darkness, right? Because everything that we hide is in the dark, right? And then when we confess it, we're bringing light into those dark areas of our lives. And it is exactly like that. And light dispels darkness. And just like that, when we confess one to another, we go before the father in heaven and we confess before him, those things that we have shame for, it disintegrates shame. It destroys it. It can't exist in the life of someone whose heart posture is, is open and transparent and says, let the light come in. Repentance. This word is mentioned 42 times. What is repentance, man? You know, we, this is kind of one of those religious words that we throw around sometimes. And, um, you know, is it a thing? Like, is it a behavior? Is it, you know, we read about it um, in scripture a lot. Is it making amends? Is it asking for forgiveness? Some of the stuff we see in scriptures, we see people tear their robes as part of repentance or they put on sackcloth and sit in the dust. 
or, sit, or cover themselves in ashes. Like we, we hear all of that. So like, you know, what is repentance? Now we hear this a lot, right? It's a 180. We say, okay, repentance is a 180, turning away from my sin. Now here's what happened in my life and maybe you connect, maybe you don't. But here's what happened. I felt shame and guilt and remorse, but I continued to struggle with sin, okay? Now, here's what I did. Because I was told that repentance is a 180, and yet I continued to struggle with sin, okay? I was buried in shame because I thought, I'm, I must not be really repenting. I must be fake or, or I, I'm obviously not being um, serious enough or good enough at, at doing this repentance thing. And so because of that, I felt like I wasn't even eligible to ask for forgiveness because I haven't, re I haven't repented yet, right? That's the whole thing. It's like, okay, God, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, man, I am never lying again. I'm never lying again. Holy crap. I'm lying as I say it, you know, like, you know, it's like, I would turn away from sin, but man, because of my sin nature, I am messing up and I'm buried in shame. And I'm like, man, I can't ask for forgiveness because I'm still doing this. And Paul says, like, don't be that person who's always asking for forgiveness. And, you know, should, should grace abound or what is it? Like, should sin abound so that grace can, whatever, I forget the verse. But like, you guys get it, right? Should, should we... Should we stay in that cycle? Should we stay in that cycle? And the reality is, is that's not what repentance is. Repentance isn't an action. It's not a behavior. It is not something you do. It is not a formula. It is not a 180 degree thing, whatever, about face. It's none of that. Repentance Real repentance is the recognition of your sin, feeling conviction, and a sincere desire to want to make a difference. It is a heart posture. It is a heart posture of, I realize that I'm broken and I need a savior to, to live every day. That's what repentance is. Now, Repentance may manifest as some behavior. Maybe God is saying, okay, yeah, uh, I'm going to test your heart of repentance and tell you to go to so-and-so and talk about this, right? Maybe he does that. Maybe God asks you to do that. And, he's, and, and in that case, that's what you need to do. But it's not, it doesn't start with a behavior. It starts with a heart posture, a change, a change of mind. That's if you look at the word, it's not an action. It's not a behavior. It is a change of mind, a change of heart. And so if there's something in your life and you're like, man, I'm just battling with this thing. I'm battling with it. And I know that it's wrong. <clears throat> And we have a healthy awareness that it's there and that, you know, this is a real thing and it's a spiritual battle because the enemy wants to destroy your life. <clears throat> That's repentance. That mindset, that heart posture of, I don't want to settle for this. I don't want to 
Let this be my reality. I want God to move in my life, to strengthen me, to, 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 to make me more righteous, right? To, to make me a better um, bearer of his image to the world around us. I want light to come in and, and shine on all of those dark places in my life. That's repentance. And so if that's true, if that's true, if I had known that when I was going through this cycle of shame, man, I could have broken free. And I pray t- for you tonight that, that if that's you, if you're in that cycle where it's like, man, I don't know what it is, you know, whatever it is that's going on, it, it, that, that there is freedom from that cycle of shame. And so soul care, take ownership, take inventory take a load off, take a load off. Because I believe when you start to experience the freedom of breaking free from these chains of shame and and the cycle of shame, you see it destroyed. You see light coming into the darkness confession, repentance, all of a sudden you find yourself free to look at the sin in your life square in the face and full of holy conviction, no longer crippled by the weight of it, no longer crippled by the weight of it, but arms open, asking God to come in and make real lasting transformation. Let's pray. Father, I pray that this message wasn't heavy or, or discouraging to anyone here tonight. I pray that this was a message of hope because I remember feeling hopeless, going back and forth, going back and forth, feeling the weight of my past, of my shame, of my hurt, of my addictions, the people that I hurt, all of that, all of that constant shame about all of it. I am that kind of person that did those things. And if somebody had come along and said, look, it's not, it's not like that. Father in heaven doesn't want to bury you in shame. He wants to come in and make real lasting change. And as long as, as long as we're in this cycle of shame, man, it just, so God, would you come in? Would you show us tonight, if that's us, would you give us the courage to lean into this thing, confession and repentance, to confess those those things and have a heart of of transparency and, and to have a sincere change of mind and heart towards sin in our lives to be bold, to talk about it and not feel like we, we can't talk about it. We got to bury it or, or repress it. Would you give us courage as a body, as a community to grow in this, that we could see it as being a path toward freedom and a path out of this prison of shame. Just love you in Jesus name. Amen.